Sunday, Betfair Edge. Head to Betfair for live markets on the Soccer World Cup and back or lay bet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, hello everyone. A very big welcome on this Sunday morning to another edition of the Betfair Edge. Damien Watson in the chair, all thanks to Betfair. Back, lay and trade the FIFA World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. I get the sense that the national mood and the national fervour is a little bit better this morning than what we've experienced in the past, given the Socceroos have prevailed over Tunisia in the FIFA World Cup. 1-0 last night. A lot of people would have been at the live sites right across the country, including at Federation Square, where it was absolutely jam-packed pretty much from the start, from kickoff, and didn't they kick on after the final whistle was blown as well. Now to introduce my guest panellist, and he's a familiar voice. Let's welcome him back. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. I refer to a man who's worked at this station for over a decade, a long stalwart, and he joins me back in the studio for the first time in a while, Darren Parker, one of the listeners' favourites. How are you, Dash? Going well. It's like I never left. I wasn't sure if you were going to roll with that or Slim Shady uh, coming out there. But, uh, yeah, great to be back in. And, yeah, crazy day yesterday uh, from a Betfair point of view with with everything that was happening. We had the, the Group 1 in WA. We had the... Zipping Classic with a, a Melbourne Cup winner winning his first race since that Melbourne Cup of 2019. Hasn't yeah. hasn't tasted success since then. And uh, obviously the state election, politics has been insanely busy. Um, you guys have markets for that as well, Yeah, don't absolutely. You? <laughs> uh, we even had markets for the um, US midterms, and, and they were very, <laughs> very busy as well. But, uh, yeah, political content from a betting point of view, because you could bet on the seats and the different electorates and, and margins and things like that. It's incredibly popular. And, and then obviously, we had the Socceroos last night and, and what that means uh, going forward. But yeah, tr- tremendous result. It's, it's Australia's first win in 12 years at a World Cup. And I'm actually probably of a different school of thought. I don't think we've been that bad since then. I know we, we haven't had success, but we've scored in eight of our last 10 World Cup matches. Tough draws. That's right. We've scored against France on two different occasions. We've scored against Holland, scored against Chile, scored against Denmark last year. Um, Obviously scored both times here, but... Yeah, historic night. It's actually the first time Australia have ever led at halftime of a uh, of a yes. match. And first clean sheet in a win. First time we've kept the opposition goalless in a World Cup match since 1974. So a lot of reasons to smile. And um, we'll talk about the permutations of us getting out of the group, which we haven't done since 06. That's right. And you mentioned the fact this is the first clean sheet we've kept. A lot of people still argue that 2006 match against Japan should have been a clean sheet yeah. given the controversial goal that went. And, and probably Italy in the in the knockout yeah. match in reality, obviously when they got that penalty with about 30 seconds to go, um, which shouldn't have been. And that game should have gone to extra time at the very least. Now, let us know where you were watching the game from last night, whether you were at one of the live sites or with mates, 0433 And give us your thoughts on the match as well. Mitch Duke at the 23rd minute scored what ultimately became the decider. And I tell you what, the defence was very sterling for the most part. It was a nervous last 20 minutes, yeah. but a couple of key players really lifted. Yeah, no, I guess that's one of the nervous parts about football is that when you take a defensive approach, you concede territory. So you accept that the ball's going to live 
in the opposition's forward half for most of that time. And yeah, Tunisia had a couple of co- close moments. Matt Ryan certainly played a lot better than he did the other night. He was a bit rusty um, coming into that France game yeah. and obviously France able to punish. But yeah, our defence held up extremely well. Um, to score that early, you know that you're going to be under the pump because the opposition's going to attack you. And yeah, really, really did hold our nerve. And we've got to hold our nerve one more time. We're within sight of getting out of the group. Still a tough task, Denmark. Good side. They pushed France pretty heavily last night. But yeah, it was a, a really pleasing result. I was at the Diamond Creek Hotel watching that with a uh, yeah. a bunch of other proud Australians who were uh, uh, taking it all in. But yeah, great, great stuff. I think it really does unite us. I think we've all seen the footage of Fed Square with nuts, wasn't it? Yeah, loved it. it. <clears throat> Six a.m. the other day when we scored against France, and then obviously last night when the it was the, bigger last night. Bigger wasn't last the night. Yeah. yeah, I think a nine o'clock start on a Saturday night in Helps. Melbourne. That's that's great. Obviously. Um, yeah, and, and there was a fair bit happening around town. It was a pretty good day weather-wise, so enjoyable. And Harry Souter was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'll get you to provide the market update in just a moment for our group. But Harry Souter, what a sensational performance. That tackle towards the back end, I think it was in the 87th minute from memory, was absolutely sensational. Might go down in folklore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a tremendous effort not to give the free kick away as well. And uh We'd made a couple of mistakes and they were countering and they had a lot of space and to be able to nullify like that was was huge. And I think the goal we created as well was was quite well set up. Obviously, there was a bit of a deflection on the cross that came in, which which helped and then but a very cleanly executed header. But yeah, a lot of the efforts late in the game and you could see what it meant to them to to be able to secure that result. So yeah, we're... um, we're in position, well, position B, but that's all we need to be. France are already through, and we've got to get the other spot, uh, and we've got the advantage position at the moment. Of course, the French defeating Denmark earlier this morning mm. 2-1, so effectively that means the Socceroos need either a draw or a win against Denmark. We did secure a draw against Denmark in the 2018 campaign, one all. After, and outplayed them, yep. Well, after probably the, last, the first 20 minutes. Remember, they yeah. came out of the blocks, Christian Eriksen scored in the first seven minutes, and then after that, the Socceroos managed to get settled. You're right, but different circumstances this time round. What do you think the market will suggest when it comes to this particular group? Yeah, and it was one of the controversial ones because I think that was Tim Cale was in the squad, and it was one of the times where we didn't put him on. We Correct. didn't pick him, and uh, we desperately needed a goal late in that game when it was one all for about 50 minutes. And, yeah, there was a school of thought that I think he might have come on with five minutes to go or, or something. And obviously there's no Tim Cale this time. But, yeah, so, so to paint a picture, Australia is on three points. Denmark is on one. They drew their first match with Tunisia and then lost last night. So uh, we only need a winner or a draw yep. to stay ahead of them unless Tunisia beats France. Now, a lot, ah. of, a lot of people were talking last night about... Uh, France-Denmark drawing would have been a better result because it would mean that France still needed a point in their last match. Now that it's effectively a dead rubber for them, a lot of people consider it risky that Tunisia everything to play for, France nothing to play for. Are they vulnerable? I I can't see that. I I can't see Tunisia beating France. I think France is still going to want to maintain momentum going into the next stage. They're the defending champs. They're going to want to keep the foot down. So I think that side of things will be okay. I mean, Tunisia might be able to pull a point out of that and and draw it. But I think it really comes down to can we avoid giving up all three points to Denmark? Denmark are actually the heavy favourites, which 
Interesting. I'm not surprised they're favourites, but they're a dollar fifty-five is where they are at the moment on the on the exchange. The draw is four dollars twenty. That's fine. We can live with that. And Australia six dollars sixty at the moment. So very much outsiders against a a pretty talented Denmark team. And it's interesting if you look at that. So six sixty for the the Australian win and four twenty for the draw. But if you look at uh, getting out of the group, we'll, we'll take a look at that. Uh, in a moment in terms of what that means. And the odds are an interesting one on that as well, because if we're considering all of those scenarios, so to get out of the group, uh, Denmark are $1.41, Australia $2.64. So um, you, you probably weigh that up versus the second chance play, which is the win or draw in that in that match, because that's going to create the same scenario. Tunisia, $20 to get out of the group, and I think that's <laughs> probably reasonable. I, I'm not too concerned about them beating France, to be honest. Yeah, it's just whether the French just effectively shut up shop, but you would think they would at least snag some points from the match and, and secure a draw at the very least to keep that momentum up. But Do, do you dare to look forward, though? I think we the way the, the groups work is that it's your neighbouring group. So we're Group D, so we're linked with Group C. So Group C is really interesting because you've got Poland on four points. Argent- they beat the Saudi Arabians last yes, night. Yes, they did. Them. Argentina three, who uh, avenged that Saudi loss by beating Mexico. Uh, and then you've got Saudi on three, who've still got the first point. Mexico on one are probably gone. Poland will play Argentina and Saudi will play Mexico. So if Mexico are gone, does Saudi beat them and... So we could play really any of Poland, Argentina, or Saudi Arabia if we get through. Now, your first choice would probably be Saudi Arabia, then Poland, then Argentina in terms of your preferred order of who you'd like to play in a in a knockout match if you get through. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to text in as you're driving around on this Sunday morning. Let us know how you spent the night watching the Socceroos match against Tunisia. If you're at a mate's place or at one of the live sites right across the country, you mentioned Argentina mm. reinvigorating their campaign with a two 0 win over Mexico after that upset loss earlier in the campaign for them. What is the market looking like as far as the overall standings go for the tournament? Because Brazil obviously came in as the favourites. I wanted to touch on that upset you just mentioned too, that Argentina-Saudi match from the other day, that's one of the more remarkable results in the history of the World Cup. Now, Argentina was second favourite for the tournament coming into that, but they were heavily, heavily back to win that match. And when the match started, Argentina were eleven, and Saudi Arabia were $36 when the match started. Wow. Uh, Lionel Messi scored in the first 10 minutes. Argentina Argentina were into a dollar 2 and Saudi Arabia <laughs> were a thousand to 1. A thousand to 1 on the exchange. Would have been a nice little oh, price yeah. to get on at that point. <laughs> so quite remarkable and then obviously they scored twice in 10 minutes and, and ultimately won the match but in a two horse race to have a side a thousand to 1 in the running is um quite extraordinary and then to obviously go on and, and win the match. Overall the biggest movement have come from the European team. So Brazil opened as favourites at $4.50. When Argentina lost that match, Brazil came into fours straight off the back of that result. Yep. Then they beat Serbia the, other, Serbia the other day and have gone into $3.65. I don't know if you've seen the goal in that match too. Yeah. R- remarkable. <laughs> France have gradually shortened. They were at about nines. They're into six sixty now. Second favourite. Uh, in uh, in the tournament, Spain, who thumped Costa Rica 7-0. They've got a fascinating game with Germany uh, tomorrow morning. Their third favourite. 
Argentina, when they lost, they went from 650 out to 10s. They've now come back into 860 after beating um, Mexico overnight. And England at $9.80 have had an interesting tournament. They absolutely flogged Iran and then yeah. had a, a, a dull scoreless draw against the United States. I was so. going to ask you about England. What do you think their prospects are? I mean, sometimes you could just put that down to an aberration, but all the supporters seemed a bit flat after that match against the US. Yeah, uh, the USA have been all right. Um, watched their match against Wales and, and they were solid. Obviously, they gave up a goal late and drew that. Um, they looked to be reasonably well organized but yeah England went from being you know ultra powerful to, to pretty dull so uh, we'll see them one more time uh, in their their last match which is against Wales Wales are you know fairly lowly ranked haven't played in the World Cup for 64 years but most of those other UK teams put targets on England's head so you think they'll they'll be pretty fired up for that but same with their press dash yeah well that, that's exactly right exactly right but but England obviously World Cup semi-finalist four years ago and they made the final of the Euros and lost to Italy so they're a pretty good side um, but there's the mental aspect yeah. because they've come so close in so many tournaments so many times over the last ostensibly almost 50 years yeah that's right I think it's it's gettable so it's when I say it's gettable I'm not sure there's, you know, Brazil are pretty good, but I'm not sure that, you know, that there's a side that's miles ahead of the pack in this World Cup. You'd think that, you know, like what we saw last time where Croatia went all the way to the final, I think there's a chance for teams to, you know, get on a bit of a run and put it together. I, I certainly wouldn't rule out England. You, you'd you'd back them alongside on form, certainly Argentina, and uh, they're ahead of Germany and ahead of Holland and teams like that at, at this point. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say they're very much in the frame to, uh, to to be pretty competitive. Quite a few text messages coming through. 0433981116 from Anonymous here. Commentators saying we are no good, don't understand the World Cup. Only eight countries have ever won it. It's incredibly difficult to even qualify, let alone win a game or get enough points to progress from your group. So an interesting one there. Jace off the SMS. Morning, lads. Watch the epic win at my son's place. Harry Sutar could defend in either NRL or <laughs> AFL. Those lanky legs, absolutely oh, yeah. outstanding. Not often you'd say that about another man's legs, but I have no, to that, in this occasion. No, I agree. And, and I think he's very effective because sometimes you think with people that are a bit gangly like that, that they can be a bit awkward. And, Peter Crouch style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I like both of those points. And you're right, I think we've been, you know... It's funny because if you look at our record, we've we've finished last often in groups and things like that. But I'd say we've actually been reasonable value ever since we returned to the World Cup in 2006. Even in the matches we've lost, I think we've shown a bit of bottle and a bit of, you know, we're, we're outclassed in a lot of respects. But I'd argue we've been, for where we are in the world, we've been okay. And, and if you want to put it in perspective, Holland, who are a pretty good side in this World Cup, didn't qualify for the last one. And Italy have missed the last two. So you've got a team like Italy who are a multiple world champion. Not here, but we are. And, you know, we're... Different opponents to I, And I agree. I agree with that. But put it this way. I don't think at any stage we've embarrassed ourselves, even in the 4-1 loss to France. I mean, we, we scored Maybe the early. Germany loss in 2010. Pro- possibly. But we recovered really well from that. I think that we're unlucky yeah, to draw with Ghana... Uh, they got a, a handball penalty in that match, yeah. which was a bit stiff. And then we beat Serbia. So I think our response immediately after that was pretty good. So Big fella was also watching the game in Diamond Creek. So in the immediate vicinity of you, Dash. Oh, and yeah. off the SMS anonymous here, if a big if, if we get through, I'd rather face 
Argentina, I think it's meant to say yeah. off the text machine, that they're old and have a very tired defence and they don't deal with pressure at all well. The Saudis are playing a great attacking brand. Pollard will get a point from Argentina. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair argument. I mean, we, we probably look at the names and think, oh, Argentina, um, you know, South American champions, Messi, stars, etc. But, yeah, on form, that's that's probably a reasonably valid point. All right, we'll take a break. Damien Watson and Darren Parker with you on this Sunday morning. This is the Betfair Edge. All thanks to Betfair. You can back or lay cricket markets at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. And if you want to text in, 0433-981116. Back in a moment. You're listening to the Sunday Betfair Edge on SEN. Sunday Betfair Edge. Get more from the Aussie summer of cricket. Find better odds at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yeah. It's why me. Hope you're having a calm Sunday morning out there. Thanks for joining us on the Betfair Edge. You can back, lay and trade the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. Darren Parkin joins myself, Damian Watson, in the studios here. Off the SMS dash, Anonymous here saying, stop wrapping Argentina up. Messi, Di Maria, they're old and will tire. Stop giving them... Uh, optimistic slant. Germany dominated their game, just couldn't score. There's still a huge chance. That was an intriguing game oh. between Germany and Japan during the week. Bring on Argentina then. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy with whoever. I mean, I just want to get out of the group and then we'll just take on whoever we get. Um, fine if it's them or if it's the Saudis or if it's Poland, whatever it may be. Just, just I'd just be happy to get out of it, but obviously Denmark first. And yeah, Germany had 74% possession against Japan. Japan had 26% possession and won. So, obviously, Japan were pretty strong outsiders coming in. I think they opened at $7.60. They got to $65 in play because, obviously, Germany scored first and then they were still 1-0 up at the 75-minute mark. And so they you were dominated the possession game. throughout yeah. that entire period. Absolutely. Well. And then Japan just went bang, bang. Very similar match to that Argentina-Saudi match where Saudi turned it on its head just after half time, But... Um, Japan, a good side to watch. Well, they've got Costa Rica tonight. But, yeah, Germany, interesting. Um, since they won the World Cup in 2014, they've lost three of four. They've been beaten by Mexico and South Korea at the last World Cup and, and now Japan, but certainly did play well enough to win. But um, a costly costly bunch of points dropped. Well, you mentioned, Dash, an experience where a side has dominated possession and conceded two goals in a quick period. I think in two days' time, it'll mark the 25th anniversary since the infamous Australia v. Iran World Cup right. qualifier at the MCG, where the Socceroos went down. <laughs> we, got a, we got a little reminder of that the other night, actually. Well, actually, Drew, of course, but yeah. Yeah, which which cost us anyway. That was when um, Peter Hoare came on and cut the net. Um, Correct. Yeah, I still remember that as a kid in late 97, watching Mark Bosnich um, on the ground in disbelief after yeah. that match was played. but. For those of us that, that do remember that, we got a little reminder the other night when Iran scored twice in three minutes to beat Wales yeah. um, in the 400th minute of stoppage time or whatever it is. What, what do you make of that? So basically, 
all they're doing with stoppage time now, which I don't mind, is that they are adding every minute lost. So it it should eradicate time wasting because those minutes get added anyway. So you end up with we had five in the first half last night and six at the end of the match. Correct. But that Wales-Iran match had 11 or 12 minutes of stoppage time. There have been plenty with 10 and 8 and 9. Um, I don't. I actually don't mind them. They're, they're literally adding on all of the time lost. Yeah, I think it's equitable enough. What's mm. the main argument against it from those out? Um, probably. Probably just a change from the norm. Probably, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's about it. If you're Wales, you're probably looking at it and going, we got beaten in the 99th and 101st minute and it wasn't overtime. Um, yeah. But, yeah, look, it's the way it goes. I mean... I think a lot of us have a little bit of Welsh blood, so we're, I was a bit annoyed at the result. But, um, but the rules, <laughs> Speak for yourself. That's eh? right. The, the, the rules were certainly fair enough, um, yeah, in terms of adding that in. And, and that's a really good response from Iran after the, the, the flogging they copped from England. Now, we'll go into greater depth with racing on the other side of this break, but it was a massive day of racing across mm. all three codes. You had the Winterbottom in Perth, the Zipping Classic in Melbourne and the Gallops. Also in the Trots, we had the start of the Inter-Dominion series. The first heats mm-hmm. of the Inter-Dominion were completed at Ballarat in the Trots. And also we had in the Greyhounds the Melbourne Cup final. And the Bold Trees as yes. well, but the Melbourne Cup final was um, won very impressively. Um, there was a, a bit of statistical um, anomalies around all of that as well. But, yeah, so you if you work that out on a, yeah, a Saturday. Archie Bale. Yeah, all three, yeah, that's right. All three codes plus the election plus the World Cup. Um, yeah, it's one ex- of the stronger betting days for Bitfield. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Obviously, the Melbourne Cup, I think we took $11 million on the on the Melbourne Cup alone. Um, but, yeah, by comparison of an entire day, it's a, a pretty significant outcome. That's it. Uh, just before we head to the news, Vow and Declare prevailing in the Zipping Classic. First time it's won since that Melbourne Cup performance, of course, the famous one which Matty Hill called over yeah. the line as winning for Australia. Yeah, obviously led all the way, a, a tremendous Melbourne Cup win, but it hasn't won since. And Melbourne Cup winners have got a – or Melbourne Cup runners, rather, not so much winners, but runners have got a very good record in the Zipping. They've now won 10 of the last 16. Um, zipping himself uh, ran in the Melbourne Cup, I think, all four times that he won the Zipping Classic. Yeah, he loved Sandown, didn't Zipping? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we're now at Caulfield for the race, but but back then, Sandown was the, the, the main focus for it. But, yeah, Vow and Declare, and um, in terms of a, a betting movement on that race – uh, it was Luncey's. It was all of the rage all day. So Vow and Declare opened at favourite. Was it about three dollars fifty? But went all the way out to six twenty about ten minutes before the the race. And Luncey's was backed off the map. Yes. Went from five fifty into about three twenty. I wonder what the mail was. Yeah, but but then in the last probably five minutes. They piled back on Vow and Declare. Vow and Declare came back in from 6.20 to 5.40, and Luncey's went from 3.20 out to 4. So the very late money was for the Melbourne Cup champ, and, and that late money prevailed. So a, a great result for, uh, for for those that were, were fans of Vow and Declare. All right, we'll touch on more racing after the news. You can text in about any sport, 0433981116. In the next half hour, we might touch on the AFLW Grand mm-hmm. Final, which is coming up between Brisbane and Melbourne. And we had the WBBL decider last night. Pretty entertaining contest in front of a packed house at North Sydney Oval too. You're listening to the Betfair Edge. Damian Watson and Darren Parkin with you. You can back or lay cricket markets at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
morning. Welcome back to the Betfair Edge on this Sunday morning. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend wherever you may be listening. If you want to provide even more feedback after the Socceroos win over Tunisia last night, feel free via the text machine 0433981116. You can back lay and trade the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. Darren Parkin joins me in the studio. Big day in WA racing as well. We've already touched on the Victoria Racing Dash. We had the running of the winter bottom stakes. I tell you what, Pulele, what a ride it was from Ben Mellum down the outside to prevail. It just snaked through and obviously got the job done by, I think it was about a head margin in the end. Yeah, great win. First group one success um, over in the West. Um, looking at that winter bottom market too, opened at about 980, got out to 16, so it was friendless basically. And Ended up winning, and that was 35% jump on the corporates had you have backed on the exchange. So uh, a, a very good result, and, and we saw that a lot over the course of the day. But yeah, most of the, the love uh, looking at that that winter bottom came for the likes of Rothfire with um, Damien Oliver, who was reasonably popular. We um, had the original favourite scratched, of course. Yes, yes, we did. And um, if you also look at um, this will test, or that'll test you, I think it's a, it's rather unique spelling, but that'll test you was backed very, very heavily uh, leading into that race from 10.50 into, this will test you, sorry, 10.50 into 7.60. So that was the one they found late. They didn't find the winner late. Came uh, home late, though, this will test you from memory. Absolutely. Just just had, had a chance, but... Yeah, just left it a little bit too late. But um, in a very even race where the favourite was at about sixes, this will test you was the one that that everyone found late and pretty stiff in the end not to obviously get the result. Surprise. Well, certainly not surprise. It was an open market. But Valana was originally the favourite yeah. around $5. It was scratched the morning of due to lameness. But it always gives you an indication, doesn't it, of how open the WA markets can be. We saw that last week as well with the railway. Definitely. And, and even in the uh, the WA guineas where the, the one rare exception, we had the short price favourite last week that was able to, to salute. But the majority of the features over there, you've been getting five, sixes, sevens on, on favourites in, in those races. So, um, and it kind of continued the, the recent trend where I think 10 of the last 15 winners of the, the winter bottom have been Raiders from, from interstate. And it, they've represented five different states too across Australia. So it has been the national race in, in horses coming from everywhere to, uh, to win the winter bottom, which you do often see. You, you see a lot of the, the, the best East Coast horses usually go over there for this summer carnival. And uh, we saw that again uh, in, in this particular edition as we, uh, as we build into their summer. Now we've basically reviewed all three codes. Any major market movements on any of the races yesterday that really caught your eye, or was it pretty stable for the most part? Um, probably. So obviously that race was actually, I think it was a 34.5% swing in the um, in the winter bottom. Across the, the others, I, I would say that Zipping Classic, the, the really significant movements on Luncey's and, and Vow and Declare yeah. was pretty significant. If you look after that, uh, See You in Heaven, who um, won the race immediately after the, the zipping, which was the Sandown Guineas, uh, was a very big held push. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Sandown Guineas held at Caulfield. Um, that was another one where for most of the day, the favourites were around 5.50, and they couldn't split them until five minutes before the race when there was a, an avalanche on, on See You in Heaven for, for Craig Williams. And 
just like in the previous race. So in consecutive races in the last five minutes, those on the exchange put 70% of money on Vow and Declare and then 70% of money on See You in Heaven. So uh, whoever was providing that late mail got that spot on, on on both of those occasions. See You in Heaven was probably the best-backed runner of the day um, over the course of, of all of the, the interstate racing. So that was a, a really good result. In the Melbourne Cup in the Greyhounds, um, as we talk about the, the favourite in, in that race. Well, Plaintiff was, was originally the favourite, yeah. Yeah, um, got backed pretty heavily uh, into about $3.20 by the time they jumped. But, um, you know, history hasn't been kind with favourites in, in the Melbourne Cup. I think they've only won five of the the Melbourne Cups this century. So five out of 22 have been won by the favourite. Uh, generally speaking, it's been somewhere around the 7 or $8 mark that's been able to win that race. So it's a little bit of a word of warning uh, going forward that uh, favourites in the Melbourne Cup of Greyhounds have got the poorest strike rate of, uh, of any of the features. That's it. I'll tell you what, it was a massive weekend of sport. We still haven't touched on the women's sport yet, and we'll get to that in a moment. Or the election, for that matter, yeah. That's it. The <laughs> AFLW grand final, of course, to be held today. We'll touch on that in a moment. The WBBL decider was yesterday. I just want to quickly touch on the Wallabies. They had a win. You mentioned Wales before, as far as the FIFA World Cup is concerned. Well, Wales went down. It was a good come-from-behind win from the Wallabies, 39-34. to it's an interesting one. There's still maybe a detection of ambivalence as far as how the Wallabies go for the general Australian public. It was hard because effectively you're competing against the Socceroos at a major event, but uh, still a noteworthy come from behind win, which probably goes under the radar in a sense. It does. And, and, I've been fascinated probably comparing the psych around the two national rugby teams in recent weeks, because I think people generally are more familiar with the Wallabies, even though the Kangaroos in rugby league have been immensely successful. Won the World Cup, of course. Yeah, and it's three in a row, and it's their, I think it's their ninth World Cup win and 14th final, and, you know... They, they Not have as a... much competition, though. No, be. exactly. <laughs> I mean, Samoa's first World Cup, and, I mean, our biggest challenge probably came in the semi against New Zealand when we won by two points, yep. and Samoa beating England, which was probably a handy result for, for us in, in many respects, but... Yeah, the, the Wallabies always, I think, attract more attention, but they've certainly struggled in, in recent years. So um, in terms of their popularity um, amongst punters, still more popular than the, the, the rugby league equivalent. We, we take more on an average Wallabies you know, result than we would on a... Um, on a kangaroos on a result. kangaroos test match or anything like that, so um, yeah, and I think we're we're pretty desperate to see them be able to compete consistently against New Zealand and South Africa and England on the big stage. I think it starts from the grassroots at the mm. end of the day, and I think most people within the industry would recognise that. Let's turn our attention to the AFLW Grand Final dash: Brisbane taking on Melbourne. Brisbane looking to atone for that. Loss at the back end of the final series last season. It was technically earlier this year. They went down to Melbourne at the MCG. That was obviously a match which would have booked a spot in a grand final for them. They went down to the Demons in that game by less than a kick. And the Demons, of course, went on to play in a grand final against the Adelaide Crows. This time around, the Lions make the big dance. They've had a pretty impressive season overall. Ali Anderson, of course, won the league best and fairest earlier in the week. What's the market looking like for the AFLW Grand Final, which some stations will be taking later on today. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, Melbourne, um, you know, we, we know it's quite quirky to have two AFLW competitions in the same calendar year, but Melbourne have made the Grand Final in both of them, both of them interstate. Obviously, they had to go to Adelaide the first time and now up at Springfield, which... It's copped a bit of bad press, Springfield, but it is a custom-built 
AFLW venue. It's a it's a stadium. I know the Queenslanders are quite proud of the the venue, and it, it's a good I like venue. The grassy hill. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. It's a good venue for football in in reality. Obviously, the in terms of grand finals, you're thinking you'd rather it at Metricon or the Gabba. Obviously, the Gabba is utilised by cricket, but um, I think. We've been a little harsh on that venue. Brisbane are a dollar fifty as it stands at the moment. They've been pretty well supported. Melbourne are two dollars forty two. Um, so pretty tight in the market. Uh, Melbourne, as you mentioned, beaten by Adelaide earlier this year. So a chance for both sides for redemption. Brisbane for redemption against Melbourne for that semi earlier in the year, and Melbourne for redemption on their earlier grand final defeat. And I think there's always been that view around Melbourne that, given they were one of the original alongside the Western Bulldogs pioneers in the AFLW space that, you know, it's almost, and the Bulldogs have won a premiership that it almost feels like Melbourne, you know, that they've almost been destined to, to get their piece of silverware eventually. And I think they're a good chance. I think they're probably a slightly better chance here than they were earlier in the year when they took on Adelaide. Um, Brisbane, Won one premiership already, beating Adelaide away a couple of seasons ago. And they were stiff to miss out a couple of times as well. And yeah, they lost. Craig Stasevich, they, they have been a bit of a juggernaut in the sense they've always, for the most part, been around the top echelon. They lost the first, first two, two grand, grand finals. finals. Yeah, to the, the Bulldogs and the Crows. So, and I think they were hosting both of them, weren't they? Not the one against the Bulldogs. That was at Icon Park. Okay, in and the, the first one they were, they were yeah, host, at, yep. At Metricon Stadium. But it's an interesting one with the Lions because... I think it's quite a popular sport, the AFLW up there amongst women coming through the ranks because you look at people like Katie Brennan, who's a star at a Melbourne-based club, but she was recruited out of Queensland, so was Taylor Harris. So some of the big names yeah. in the comp have come out of Queensland. And Taylor against her, uh, one of her old sides, obviously. But, um, yeah, and even I think going back longer than that, so the, the participation numbers in Queensland at a junior level in women's football have always led the country. And even if you look at umpiring ranks and things like that, Queensland have often been driving that in terms of female participation. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very good for the, the game in that sense. Where do you feel, because the way I look at the AFLW, I think the end game would be to run the seasons parallel. Um, I think ideally, if they were to crystal ball where they want to be, you have the men's and women's competitions running at the same time so that... Fans are totally engrossed in footy, and it's a case of obviously you you would try your hardest not to play the two teams at the same time. Whether they play, I hate using the phrase curtain raiser, but whether they play on the same day as a lead-in, whether Richmond's AFLW side plays at Punt Road at 11 o'clock and then their men's team plays at the MCG at 2, um, St Kilda play at Moorabbin at 3 and then at Marvel at 7 or whatever. Um, I think ideally when people are in full footy mode, that's the best case scenario. I am a little concerned obviously with a season finishing late November on the eve of summer. I don't know, do, do people need a break from footy? Like, are they, Do they switch off at the end of September and go, oh, okay, I'll take a break for a couple of months and then I'll come back in? Because uh, I think the AFLW is itching, obviously, to have people fully embrace it, but I reckon it needs to be played in football season, if that makes sense. It's an interesting one, isn't it? That might well be the firm view and the firm goal towards the back end, and I think it would help logistically because a lot of the grounds are unavailable due to the the fact that cricket obviously has Correct. priority. And it, and it could be 40 degrees when you play and things like that. So, I mean, I, I'm not a person who's an expert in juggling what all of that means, but my view is if your end game is to play them together, then that's where you should go straight away. Build towards it 
by putting it where you want it to be, and off you go. It's an interesting debate. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We'll take a break. We'll touch on the WBBL decider, which was held yesterday. The Adelaide Strikers getting the job done there, and we might take a look at the market stash for the upcoming games of the FIFA World Cup tonight into early tomorrow morning Australian times. A few intriguing ones there, which may have ramifications. You're listening to the Betfair Edge. Damian Watson and Darren Parkin with you. You can back or lay cricket markets at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. You're listening to the Sunday Betfair Edge on SEN. Sunday Betfair Edge. Get more from the Aussie summer of cricket. Find better odds at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Big welcome back to the Betfair Edge on this Sunday morning. Damian Watson and Darren Parkin with you. You can back, lay and trade the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. We'll touch on that in a moment. But firstly, time for our lay bid segment. I actually thought the thing went off air then, but it's actually part of the stinger. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laying that sound effect. That's good. A bit of, a bit of old school Mario Brothers. All uh, right. What are we throwing in the bin? Well, it's interesting. Uh, punters are perhaps doing that with Melbourne in the AFLW. I told you before they were $2.42. In the commercial break, they've gone to two ninety four. So they've drifted oh. 52 cents in uh, they five to minutes. They listen to discussion, maybe. Potentially, yeah. But uh, probably Luncey's. I know a lot of people were on Luncey's yesterday, heavily backed. But... Um, Allergic to winning, I think. Um, one of those ones that's, you know, perhaps a little bit uh, spooked by the by the finishing line. So, yeah, I think I think um, a few people would be um, not putting a line through Lunsies. It would be treading very, very carefully. I think around uh, going forward, one that might not be trusted. Um, you wouldn't lay the coalition necessarily because the odds wouldn't be great on it. But, um, yeah, there'd be a few people that uh, might be steering clear or that certainly did steer clear of that based on the markets. Was there any market movement with the state election in Victoria or not? No. I I noticed on on a lot of the corporates, uh, coalition got wound in gradually from, say, tens to sixes maybe. But um, not on the exchange. On the exchange, um, it basically held sway. Labor were never longer than $1.15 at any stage before or during the election. Um, No one really... Uh, that was that was playing around on the exchange was interested in anything other than that as a result um, and a majority that the majority government was was the clear favorite and uh, yeah never went any other way so um, very d- despite the heavy volume of money uh, it was only ever going in one direction all right my lay is directed it's racing related as well but it's directed towards a group of people the wow she's fast doubters it won the match race last night. I backed it in at two dollars forty. It was I can't believe it was that price given how talented the grand is. I know its last few starts were a little bit indifferent, but it was a big winner in the match race last night, just before the Melbourne Cup final in the Greyhounds. Now, just in terms of my technique of the week, well, it has to be Harry Sutar, doesn't it? Sensational yeah. defence last night. Yeah, brilliant. And and I wanted to, if we're talking about technique of the week, I'll stick with. Soccer and, and the cross from Lecky the other day yeah. that set up the goal from Goodwin. That that whole passage of play against a very very good team, uh, I think is is well and truly worthy of a uh, of a bit of support um, and a fair bit of love also in that same race to to vow and declare perfectly ridden, but but probably the ride on Milford. Um, I think in terms of technique that Milford's win yesterday. Uh, Blake Shin on board. That was an absolute cracker of a ride. So got that absolutely spot on. 
that's exactly right. It's very, very intriguing when you look at some of the markets as well. Just with the Socceroos, it's quite a contrast, isn't it, to when we played France last time in 2018. They looked like fish out of water mm. in the first half hour. Didn't concede all that much. This time around, it was the other way around where effectively they were good in the first 20 or so minutes. And then after that, it was a stark contrast to the French dominated. But obviously the Socceroos managed to atone last night against Tunisia. Just want to quickly touch on the WBBL final. The Adelaide Strikers won their first ever title. Finally, they've come close on a number of occasions. They beat the Sydney Sixers by 10 runs. A good team performance in the end and good on them as well. They've got a number of stars in that lineup that are probably underrated like Talia McGrath, Megan Shute and also Amanda J. Wellington. Yeah, steady display with the bat. Um, obviously, they, they've had you know fairly consistent contributors that they've lost a lot of their... They used to have a very New Zealand-heavy top order, Adelaide, but that's obviously changed a little bit. But the, the Sixers just kept losing wickets at regular intervals. Four for 16 at yeah. one point. Um, and never really. I mean, Elise Perry, um, followed by Bolton and, and Maitland-Brown... But at no stage did they they look a realistic chance at victory. In fact, a lot of the runs came in a flurry late in the piece when when the game was already beyond them. So, really nice win by by Adelaide in the in the WBBL. We got the obviously the men's BBL starting very very soon. Good signing for the Melbourne Renegades during the week with Martin Guptill because they, they they copped a pretty bad blow with Livingston, um, who'd been playing with Perth originally, getting picked up uh, into the England fold. So therefore becoming far less available and and as a result withdrew from the tournament. So what had been a really good coup for the Renegades ended up being a a hole that they had to fill. But getting Guptill in there I think is a really good way to fill that hole. He's a prolific hitter and you could see him at at Marvel Stadium clearing the fence uh, quite regularly. Yeah, salient point you make. Just as we wrap up, Dash, the FIFA World Cup fixtures tonight into tomorrow morning. I'll just get a quick market update from you there. Japan to take on Costa Rica. Belgium play Morocco and Croatia face Canada in the later match. Yeah, it's, uh, th- that match is, is is probably the interesting one in terms of people not, not wanting to play too much uh, around in that. But looking at the Japan-Costa Rica match, Japan $1.48, Costa Rica are at uh, $4.50, at, sorry, are at $9.40 actually at the moment. Belgium $2.02, Morocco $4.40, uh, Croatia at $2.22, Canada $3.65, and probably the 6 a.m. match between Spain and Germany. Spain 242, Germany 305. That's a hell of a fixture to be getting in the group stage of a World Cup, to have Spain play Germany, winners of the 2010 and 2014 World Cups playing each other in a group match. And Japan will be euphoric after their win against Germany, and they'll take that into the match against Costa Rica. Dash, great to be with you on air again. Great to be back, and hopefully do it again soon. Fantastic. Hope you enjoyed the Betfair Edge. Trackside on substations, AFLW Grand Final on others. Take care.